When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day New Zealand, g'day Wednesday the 6th of December, good to have your company today after my huge shift yesterday of 21 minutes uh, before the White Ferns. Oh, it was a hard, hard listen. Um, never really looked like they were in front of it, but I tell you what, that Pakistani bowl of Salah, is that enough? She is good. Um, so they've, they've gone 2-0. In a summer of discontent so far for the White Ferns. They get another crack at it on Saturday, though. Let's hope they can right the ship there. Uh, really disappointed for Susie Bates, actually, and the Oval was named after her, and she was devastated when she went out. It was a special day for her, but got beaten by a good delivery, really, um, immediately after Sophie Devine was also dismissed. So we will reconvene. Also today, of course, we have... Uh, Bangladesh, New Zealand. The next test match in that starts at 4.30 today. So a truncated run home show, but it's great to have Beaver back in the country, isn't it? From uh, Waiuku Towers. Uh, so he'll join you after this show at 3 o'clock. Still amazed that New Zealand are $2 and Bangladesh are three thirty-five. Quite amazing, really. Uh, very interested to see what the personnel will be uh, when they pick them. I'm thinking probably no changes just on recent history there seems to be a real reluctance to change players um, and if they don't pick Ratchin I know what the talkback topic will be tomorrow where's Ratchin where's Ratchin uh, today on the show uh, Ashley Hoyata Williamson world record holder in the bench press 317 odd kilos think about that for a minute and when you consider in 2020 she could bench press 30 kilos 30 to 300 plus in three years. Sky's the limit. We'll catch up with her, find out how she's done it. She's got an interesting backstory as well. So she'll join us just after 12.30. Also, Mike Rogers, he's the head coach for the Manawatu Turbos. Not necessarily talking to him about the Turbos today, but um, I had a conversation with him last night and I said, let's tell this story on air about some pretty landscape-changing stuff for provincial rugby in New Zealand that he's having a crack at. Had to get the board across the line, they've signed off on it, and a changing face for Manawatu Rugby. Um, And I think it's a portal into what needs to happen provincially in rugby. He's a very forward-thinking man, is Mike Rogers. So uh, that will be just after one o'clock. Hopefully gonna be catching up with race director of the Topor 70.3 Ironman for the women uh, this weekend, Wayne Reardon. 
Alex Reid, have we confirmed him yet, uh, Sammy? Um, Sammy. Joey, I think we've confirmed Alex. 90% confirmed. 90% confirmed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What shall I talk to him about? Uh, oh, so bowls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That night... Uh, oh, no, sorry, Alex is, Alex is confirmed. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, Alex is confirmed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Wayne isn't confirmed. Yes, yes, Okay, yes. so Alex uh, to be confirmed. And we'll also have all the other bits and pieces that we normally have. But... It's uh, win free Wednesday. I'm chucking it open for the first half hour, and then we might chuck it open in the last half hour as well. Tell me why on 0800 150 811, and I don't want to alienate the texters because I know there's people out there can't call because they're listening to us secretly at work in pods or, or you're driving. Oh, no, don't text and drive. Call and drive on hands-free. So 0800 150 811. Double eight, double three, win free Wednesday. I've got three dozen of the finest, the finest, locally brewed, ingredienteded, is that a word? Uh, Castle beers to give away today. Thanks to the good, fantastic crew at Castle's Brewing Company. They provide you with the award-winning flavour, freshness and quality. Have Check them out on castles.nz. You've got to be 18, please. Uh, and you need to be able to drink responsibly. So I'd expect that dozen beers to last you a week, please. Um, but we've got three dozen of those. I've got three boxes of the catering packs of the Big Crunch, Big Taste, Epic, Salt and Vinegar, the belligerent barbecue ribs, I'm making up words, and the ready, freddy, ready salted Big Crunch, Big Taste barbecue, uh, blueberry chips and a few other little extras. You might get a little thing of cheesels. You might get a little thing of all these other... It's a burger rings or rations or something. I've got a big box. In fact, I've got three big boxes. So today's win free Wednesday. Was Oprah really giving away cars? Oh, yeah. Everyone in the audience got a car, yeah. <laughs> Far out. Far out. So ring me up and tell me why you need a dozen castles in your life or a big box of Bluebird Crunchies, expert, big crunch, big taste, wonderful stuff, have to have for summer. Tell me why you need them. The most convincing will get something. It's that simple. And also, reduced audience today because half the country... Uh, slightly more than half, uh, with Andy Thompson's Rural Roundup from 12 to 1. So, Auckland, Christchurch, or Auckland, Wellington, and anyone on the app, ring me and tell me why you need it in your life. And if you tell me today, you'll probably have it by the weekend. 0800 150 or text on 8833. Keen to hear why you are deserving. Uh, myself and Joey, and we've got a new bloke, Louie. Uh, another Louis, not Louis Human. We've got another Louis. He's shadowing Joey. Shadowing the veteran of broadcasting, that is Joe Bell, learning the ropes. Great to have him on board too, Louis. Right. Christchurch we go. Mikey. G'day, Mikey. <laughs> I just heard the word beer, and I'm straight in. So. <laughs> you pushed redial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think Joey said I've got to explain why this should be in my life. Is that, is that yes. right? Yes. Why does it need to be in your life? Um, next weekend, um, I have the privilege of uh, welcoming, we've got a year anniversary when a group of us went and saw the band Wasp in 
in Las Vegas, and then we had a trip around Nevada and Grand Canyon and all that. Uh, the friend who, who kind of organized it, um, we've been talking this for a number of years, he, he's very high up in a major airline overseas, which I won't name, mm-hmm. um, and because he's doing quite well, and from what I'm doing, he said, Mike, I'll just shout you that trip. Oh. So he, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was uh, yeah, I don't, I, the words fail me. Um, an amazing trip. Anyway, a couple of the guys, one from Australia, one from Auckland and all that, uh, he's coming back because he's going to eventually settle back down in Christchurch. And he's like, well, I want to catch up with you guys. So we're having a, a, a USA reunion night in my bar. Uh, and by, by, by bar, it's like my man cave bar thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of these guys, and then all of a sudden, well, I'm from Australia, the guy from Australia's coming over, the guy from Auckland's coming down for the weekend, and I went, man, I need to put on a spread for these fellas. You do? So, <laughs> the party is going to be running hot, and and, I, and the least I could do was put on a few beers for these fellas. Right, Mikey, you get some beer. You get some hey! beer. <laughs> so you stay there, Joey. You'll get your address, and we'll organise to get you the beer well in time for your Vegas comrades to reconvene. I love that. I love that. Thank you, Mikey. Uh, Joe's talking to Mikey now. Let's talk to Kenny from Canterbury. G'day, Kenny. G'day, Staffy. I couldn't imagine anyone that looks as starkly different from Oprah Winfrey than Mark Stafford. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, you are right. I wish I could give away cars like Oprah gives away cars. My (laughs) God. (laughs) Now, I'll take a car. (laughs) Yeah. So now, why do you need a dozen castles in your life? Oh, mate, I've got a two-year-old at home. He is just sick, bloody every second week. Oh, I just want, and the biggest one is it's the only beer that my wife will drink. So really, if I have that in the house, yeah, yeah. Oh, so you've already you, you've already converted to castles. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Um, I go to the um, I go to the actual castles out by the tannery in Christchurch every second or third week. <laughs> You're almost a shareholder, Kenny. Well, yeah. The amount of money I've poured into that place, I should be. Oh, fantastic, Kenny! But um, yeah, the only the only beer she'll drink, and she'll she'll drink wine by the by the barrel, but not not beer. Not apart from castles. Apart from castles, she's amazing. Now, are you are you like in good favour with your wife at present, or do you need a little bit of help to bring her back into the, uh, into the realms of? It comes and goes, and. <laughs> Depends if I'm away for work or not. If I'm away for work, which I am at the moment up in Nelson, I'm not a biggest. Uh, I'm not. I'll come back and be in the dog box. I'll feel like I'm in the dog box because she's had two nights to deal with our two-year-old. Oh no! I tell you what, Kenny, you get a beer. You get some beers, Kenny. Oh. <laughs> yes, boy. <laughs> yes, boy. Stay on the line, Joey Belt. He'll get your address, and we'll organise to get that out to you. Kenny from Canterbury, two from Canterbury, actually. Joe, Joe and Gizzy. Oh, the great man. Haven't spoken to you for a while. Kia ora, Joe. Kia ora, Staff. Hey, I heard you did some great work at the Here For You uh, Golf Day, mate. Thanks for that. Eh? That's uh, good friends of mine, uh, Chrissy Mack and, and her whanau run that uh, charity golf day and uh, spoke to a few of the crew who went down and Kirky had a great day. So, uh Thanks for going down and doing that for us, uh, for the Men's Mental Health in New Zealand Awareness there, staff. That's much appreciated. Mate, that that crew, Chrissy, 
is one of yep. the most amazing women I've met for for a long, long time. The selflessness, her drive, her passion to help uh, the whanau up there in Tairawhiri. Um, you, if you get asked to help out, you help out, don't you? Yeah, when they launched uh, a few years ago, I uh, the, the caterer pulled out, signed up, sponsoring the catering for their opening gig at the race course and You've been involved ever since. She's amazing what she's done up there. You know, she's she's doing the government's work, mate. Yeah. As is Mike King and that I am Hope Co-Papa. You know, it's just um, some people need to need to get medals on their chest, and some people just stay in the background with with capes on, and nobody sees them. And Chrissy makes one of those, but it's actually chucking it down here in War at the moment, mate. We're building a deck because there's a wedding due this weekend, and it's pissing, and my concrete's not drying. Mm. But I tell you what, those bears have come in handy after work, mate. Mate, Joe from Gizzy, one of the greats. You get some beer. How about that? Joey from Gizzy. Get you... in there, Sappy. <laughs> get in there, boy. <laughs> Top man, Joey. Good to hear from you, mate. Cheers, brother. Cheers, boy. Oh, jeez, we can't <laughs> The problem is I just can't say no to people. So uh, now we've got the blue chips. Uh, and I think... I think our next caller, he'd be quite keen on, on these. He is the life member who I haven't heard from for a while. You chuck some win-free Wednesday stuff up, and here he is, Zaid. Yeah, good afternoon. Yeah, love the old um, bluebird barbecue rib chips. We actually got some on the weekend. They're pretty nice, thanks. They're good, aren't I mean, they? I went and, yeah, went and bought some from the supermarket, but yeah, they're pretty good. Um, I've got a bit of fighting to talk to you about. How good was that um, king in the ring in the weekend, that young... Um, 19-year-old uh, Titus Proctor um, came down from Hamilton and just destroyed um, destroyed the uh, rest of the um, guys in the eight-man and, um, you know, got the 10K check and um, looking pretty good for his um, upcoming career, you know? I didn't see his fight, Zaid, um, but I heard them interviewing him on, I think it was breakfast, and he reckons he's going to get a world... Run home, run home. Run home. He reckons he's going to get yeah. a title shot next year. Yeah, no, he looked pretty good. Got the title and um, king in the ring. I think was super middleweight. And um, how good was it to have um, Stephen Donald back on the radio yesterday? Oh, the Beavers back. You don't realise how much yeah, you miss them till they go away. Did you hear about his phone story? So and, um, apparently he reckons his phone has been tracked down in Algeria now. <laughs> his old phone. So I, knew, ended up in the end. I knew he'd lost it in France. It's in Algeria. Yeah, yeah and he played... Um, he played the tens tournament in Dubai again, and apparently he did his groin and his hamstring in the weekend. Yeah, look, there comes a time when there's a four at the start of your age. There comes a time you stop playing rugby, isn't there? Isn't there? He's like the rugby version of Dan Hooker. He just doesn't stop. Does not stop. I mean, mate, if, the, can, if the check's put in front of it, you say yes, please. And you got to get him a tight jersey and some white bait, eh? <laughs> 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 and a, Kick a drop and the kick the winning penalty, eh? But he'll always be known for that anyway, eh? He will, mate. Oh, so look, you're a champion. Haven't heard from you for a while, so you win a box of chips. Thank you. So you stay on the line. You stay on this. You get a car. You get a chip. You get a chip. Zade gets some chips. The life member. Absolutely. Why not? Joey, get his address off him for me, please. <sighs> Graham Marlborough, formerly Northland. G'day, champion. How are you, mate? Uh, after bloody Mikey and uh, Kenny, uh, my bloody story's a bit lame, really. <laughs> um, bloody, uh, yeah, I think I sent you a text 10 days ago, which is why I need a bloody uh, few beers, mate. 
bit going on down here. So yeah, um, there is. I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if you remember it or I not. Do, but, um, I do. You said not to read it out, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nah, but I just wasn't sure if you got it. I got it, mate. But um, I appreciate you reading it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. got worse, sadly, but um, yeah, that's the way it goes. So I'm, I'm actually heading up to see my mum tomorrow, hopefully. All right. If she hangs in there and um, and I'm gonna, if, uh, if it all goes well and I get, I get back, I'm going to need a beer when I get back, mate. Probably more than one. <laughs> well, I tell you, I tell, I tell you what. I had I, I had three three dozen to give away today. I'm going to use tomorrow's dozen for you because I know your story. I know you need a beer, so tomorrow's ones are going to get assigned to the great man Graham in Marlborough. Who's um, yeah the. What's going on behind yeah. the scenes for you, mate, isn't much joy. So if you can just pop a little beer and know that all of SCNZ's behind you, mate, with all you're going through, I'm happy to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. No, be... Hey, uh, yeah, that's great, mate. I appreciate that. Can you give me oh, – I don't know if you do this. Can you give me a call later at some stage? Yep. Yep, I can. Privately? Yeah, I can. I sure can. Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah, give, mate. You, I'll give you a bell I'll after the I'll... show. How are you, mate? All right. all right, buddy. Take care. Okay. There's Great, Graham. Mate. Out of Marlborough, yeah, he's got a lot going on, and um, we do know that um, his mum's been going through real tough times lately, and um, that's just the start of it for poor old Graham. So he gets tomorrow's beer. How about that? <sighs> Great. Um, did he stay on the line? Yeah, he stayed on the line. So we now we got Gary in Upper Hutt. G'day, Gary. I was going to tug on your heartstrings as well. <laughs> you remember when you come down here and we met, we met the old man? Yes. Well, the silly old bugger went and had a stroke last week. So oh. We were in and out of hospital all week. He's all good, it's all good, but he's had a pretty crappy last year, actually. He's been in and out of hospital quite a lot. So, oh, I was going to use that one, but oh, I think it's your, your allocation's all been um, <laughs> taken up for today. Or what? I missed out. Never mind. I'll do, I'll do it again. I'll do it again next week. Yeah. But, um, but it's also, about... we also need something for the Christmas do as well. My brother was like, get on that radio. We need some beers for the Christmas do. It's only the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The two of you for a Christmas, too. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. And we're related, so we see each other all the time. We work every day together, and then you've got that Christmas as well. Jeez, how does that go? <laughs> do, do you have a few family feuds on, on site? Nah. Nah, not at all. Nah, we get on good. Mm. Yeah. Hey, listen, yeah, I was actually, I was actually going to contact you because in the lead up to Christmas, a lot, and I'm going to get different people. You know, we've had butchers and barbecues. Now, you you, you do interior decorating, right? Or um, yep, painting or both decor- interior, exterior. Right. What's some? Because people with a lot of time off over Christmas, they might do some home handyman type stuff. So I'm thinking of painting, etc. Give us the breakdown of the best interior paint that we should be using on our in our lounges or in our bathrooms when we're going to be painting. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, firstly, and Sammy will love this. Go, we we generally use resin. Ninety-five um, percent of our paint would be resin paints. Um, Dulux pretty good, but we normally use resin. So interior on your walls, um, just in normal living areas, go for a xylon sheen, uh, which is like a um, uh, a low sheen just on your walls, but in your kitchen and bathrooms or wet areas, um, there's a product called Space Coat, and that's a bit better just for being a wipeable surface. Right. And you've got kitchen and bathroom Space Coat, which has like a um, anti fungal sort of stuff in it. So for your wet areas, that's a very good product for in there. 
Yeah. And is it still yeah. still back in back in the day? I remember you use water base in the living rooms, and you have to use enamel in the wet areas. Is that still true? Yeah. No, look, you can, and honestly, enamel is probably the harder-wearing paint out of them all, but the water-based enamels that you get these days, they're very good, and um, they're much easier to work with. They don't stink as well. The old enamels, I mean, they stink out your house <laughs> mm. um, if you're going to be living in it whilst you're doing it. Um, but no, really, the, the water-based products are pretty good. You can, like in your bathroom, if you're sealing it all up, there's a product called Shore Seal, which is um, an oil-based undercoat. But that goes off pretty quick, and there is a water-based equivalent to it as well, which we've used it, and it seems to be all right, but it's a new product, so I'm not sure long-term how good it is. But the oil-based one, yeah, undercoat everything with that, and then just use water-based paints on the top, and, and is you're it, absolutely fine. Is it one undercoat, two top coats? Is that the rule? Generally, yeah, there's a general rule with them. Sometimes with the top coats, if it's a really light colour and going over a dark, um, you might actually end up having to do three sometimes if, if, it, if that opacity is just not good enough. Yeah, I throw those painting words in. That's a good one, that eh? opacity. Makes it sound like I know what I'm talking about. Opacity, viscosity, it's all there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take your learnings from that. that. <laughs> <laughs> Hang up on him! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tom and Garrick, cheers, buddy. Yeah, all right. See Talk you, mate. Uh, Garrick from Upper Hutt. Um... Craig says, Hi, Steph. How did the painting go yesterday after 21 minutes of radio? Painting was good. Painting was good. I'm doing, I finished off one of Adi Savia, which is brilliant, which is, uh, it's going to be a fundraiser for the Hurricanes alumni. Uh, they are having a, a fundraiser at the end of, I think, January. So I knocked that off yesterday. And I've just started planning one, which is a secret. So, uh, but it's for a former All Black, uh, of a former All Black. And the challenge is, Craig, they've asked me, they want it to reflect uh, what he's done post-rugby, but also um, pay respects to the fact that he, he was an All Black, was a very good All Black. So what I've taken upon myself to do, and I don't quite know how I'm going to get around, I'm going to paint him as he is now, wearing a shirt with the logo of where he works, and in the background, I'm going to have a picture of a picture of him playing rugby. So I just have to get my head around how I'm going to do that. But thanks for asking, Craig. Very, very good. More text messages after this break. Just an example of what wonderful listeners we have here. I've got a text from Joe from Gizzy, who was getting some beers to, for the shout after they'd built the deck in uh, Wairau where it's peeing down and his concrete's not drying. Uh, he's text through saying, hey, Steph, uh, please send my beers down to the bro whose dad has just had a stroke. Sounds like they need them a little more than us. Joey from Gizzy. And to you, Gary in Upper Hutt, we're changing the address label and we're going to send it to you, Gary in Upper Hutt. So I need you to ring back and give Joey Bell or Louis your address, or if you got his address. Uh, I'll sort it, I'll sort it, I'll sort it. Oh, you'll it. sort yep. it. Joe Bell will sort it. Okay, Joey Bell will sort it. I, I can see what he's, he's flustered because it's time for this. For this. Headlines. I know you want them. I know you want them. I know you want them, but you're a good boy. Time for Joe's headlines. Everyone's been back. A good, yeah, everyone's been a good boy. They deserve the song. They do. 
Um, five New Zealand referees have landed gigs in next year's Six Nations competition with James Dolman, Ben O'Keefe and Paul Williams to again control one match apiece as they did this year. Great for the Kiwis. Um, and in other news, Silver Fern trials at Auckland's AUT Sports and Fitness Centre are set for Tuesday. Next Tuesday, following the trials, a Silver Ferns team will be selected to compete against England, Australia and Uganda at the 2024 Nations Cup in England. The squad will be announced uh, on Thursday, the 14th of December. So just trials on next Tuesday? Next Tuesday, say? yeah, yeah. What if public can go? Uh, media can, I don't know if public can. On, on media? Yeah, you've, you've been given an invite, yeah. Have I? Yeah. I'll go, because... My show's not here because we've got international cricket during my show next year. Next oh, week. true. Cool. Hey, my laptop's just died. <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to say, I, I can't remember his name, but the English referee, uh, video referee for the uh, Rugby World Cup final. Tom Foley. Yeah, Tom Foley. Yes, he's uh, said that he's not going to referee international matches anymore. He's, he's stood back. He's, he, he hasn't quit as a referee, but he'll just uh, officiate club games. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, what is it called? The Guinness, um, whatever it's called. I actually, um, all the referees were, as regular listeners know, we've got a cafe out my studio window, which I'm looking out now, and um, there's about, whew, it's a good 15-odd people out there sitting down <clears throat> having lunch and coffees. Um, all of New Zealand's top referees were all sitting around. At, well, in fact, there was... There was Ben O'Keefe, there was Chris Pollock, who's I think is the referee's boss, and there was one of the others, and I just went over and said day. And then all the rest of them came out, Angus Maybe, um, Brennan Pickerel, James Dolman, they were all there, Angus Maybe, they were all there, and I sat down and had a good yarn to them for about 15 minutes, and... Um, yeah, they said yesterday that uh, they were hoping the announcement of the Six Nations appointment, so three of them get a game. Uh, good to see Angus maybe gets a assistant referee's gig, uh, so his progression is moving well. And I think Brendan Pickerel has two, two TMO games in Six Nations. And the reason they're doing round one and then stopping, they're going to be available for the full uh, rounds of Super Rugby. So they'll go over and do that, and they'll do the full rounds of Super Rugby uh, Pacific down here, which is great news. Um, has, your, has your laptop recovered, Joey? Hasn't really. Has no, it? no. I had to. I have to re- like restart it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you yeah. have to restart it. Why don't we take a break then, and we will come back. And on the other side, we're going to catch up with Ashley Huata Williamson, New Zealand's latest, most recent. I think it was about five or six days ago. She broke the world record in powerlifting for bench press. Amazing story, Ashley. After the break. Well, it's a pretty special day when you get to interview someone that's a world record holder, best in the world of all time, strongest woman in the world when it comes to bench pressing. We are joined by Taranaki's finest, Ashley Hoyata Williamson, who just bench pressed 317 and a half kilos. That's 700 pounds in old money. Ashley, wow, wow, wow. Um, I heard you say it hasn't sunk in yet a few days ago. Has it yet or will it ever? I don't think it will, to be honest. Um, it's all kind of still a blur. And even talking about it now, it's still like, is, did that actually happen? <laughs> <laughs> it is quite far-fetched, isn't it? Um, and I also read that in uh, nine, uh, 2019 or 20, the most you could bench press was 30 kilos. You've increased that by 10. How the heck did you do that? Um, oh, I had... I had so much 
go on in that time. Um, and I've been able to do so many really good preps for competition. Um, I have my coach and the people I train with um, to thank for that just because they're so supportive and they always push me out of what I think I can do and I always surprise myself with it. But um, yeah, I owe a lot to them. Yeah, it is a sport that comes down to you. I mean, when you're down on the bench and you're taking your grip, it's just you and it's just the weights. Can you, can you tell me about the balance of body, because it's a very physical thing, but also your mind? Yeah, so um, I feel like you mentally have to be so calm to do something like that. Like I used to get really into my head and kind of try to unlock all of my dark trauma and stuff like that. I mean, it worked for a certain amount of time until I realised that was the point. But, um, yeah, you just have to stay really calm, really focused, um, just so you remember everything that you need to activate when you're doing the bench, um, when to take a breath in, where your hands are placed on the bar, um, and make sure you're doing accessories each week to match up with um, the heavy bench sessions that I'm doing. In watching that world record lift, I was quite interested to see when you when you took it off the frame and you lowered it down. It's a very slow lowering process. It wasn't down and then squeeze out. It was almost longer to come down than it was to go up. Is that part of the technique of um, powerlifting in the bench press? So um, the reason why it does come down so slow is because in a bench shirt, it's there to kind of protect your arms. And I feel like if I was to rush it, um, my wrist would kind of go and it would flop onto my head or my stomach. Mm. Um, so having good control, squeezing the bar as hard as you can, that way your wrists don't fling back. Um, yeah. <laughs> what? How, how do you train... I was going to say your muscles, but it's going to be your muscles and physiologically there's a lot of muscles that are involved in this, but there's also tendons, there's ligaments, there's joints, there's bones. How much training and consideration to all the different body parts that you've got go into this? So um, a huge, huge advantage that I have is that I'm actually an ex-international gymnast. Um, I started that at the age of four and I did that for a solid 12 years. So all of my muscle memory and stuff like that kind of came back when I was doing the strength sport. Um, but because I also am the number one female for arm wrestling in New Zealand, they go so well together. Um, so I just have to like train bench at the start of the week, arm wrestling at the end. And um, yeah, I've just noticed a huge difference with my strength in both of them. Um, but also taking the time to have ice baths and Deep tissue massages and stretching and warm-up, it's just as important as the benches. Yeah, because it's quite amazing to think how much preparation, how much training, the rest, the, the rehab, and as you say, you're stretching, your ice baths and all that, and it all comes down to one moment of about seven or eight seconds. That's the make or break, seven or eight seconds, that a month of preparation can, can be put into it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, it's oh, we we usually do about a twelve week trip. So the first four weeks is lots of volume, lots of reps, just getting the body prepared to take so much weight 
um, over the the next eight weeks. Um, and then the last four weeks, we go really heavy. So um, about a month out, I was doing 330, 340 kgs just to get an overload of the bar, get confident under the bar at that weight. That way, when we go to a competition and do a bit of a lower weight, I'm more confident. So wait, you've done 330, 340? Yeah, but it's only half reps. Um, we usually do that in the gym just to get confidence under that much weight. Um, that way, when we lower it, I, I have a lot more confidence. How do you set goals then? Because as I say, in the space of three competitive seasons, you've gone from 30 kilos to 317. <laughs> um, do you set yourself targets of, right, I want to do 325 and I won't look further ahead till I've done that? Or how, how do you map out your progress? So um, originally, in, I did a competition in 2019, and at the time, my dad was really sick. And he'd always wanted me to get into strength sport, um, and he came and watched, and he was a very non-emotional person, and it made him cry. And I went, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set a goal. I'm going to try and take powerlifting to the top, which I did. Um, and then I took on arm wrestling and took that to the top. So this, this goal here was my last promise to him. Um, unfortunately, he passed away three weeks out before the Blimmin' Comp, so he wasn't able to see it all happen. But, um, yeah, it was just, it was all dedicated to Dad. Like, I know that if he was okay and healthy, he would have been doing it alongside me. So it was, it was a way for me to cope as well as just um, hit some really huge goals. Yeah, it, it's it's amazing. Every athlete draws inspiration and um, and enlightenment from from various angles. And even though, and I acknowledge the the sad passing of your dad, I think it was very recently. Um, he will still be in your corner, on your shoulder, while you're competing. Definitely, definitely. That's so cool. Now. What's your next comp? Do, do you do you keep going with arm wrestling? Do you do you concentrate on bench pressing? What what's mapped out for you for twenty twenty four? So a lot of people have been like, you need a two one, um, but I've been doing equipped bench now for eleven months and been working arm wrestling in, and I'm like, I'm not giving up either one. I enjoy them both. Um, so my next competition is in February, and that is for arm wrestling in Hamilton. And the number one Australian woman will be coming over um, so we can see who is Oceana Champ. And then I'll quickly jump back out of arm wrestling and prep for bench. Um, and we're looking for, my coach said 800 pounds in May for bench. I'm, I'll be happy with 340, 350 kgs. But um, the all-time goal is to hopefully be 10th in the top 10 for arm wrestling for women in the world um, and I want to be the first woman in the world to hit 400 kgs on bench The previous world record was 294 and uh, you chucked 23 kilos on top of that at the last world record so you're going to distance yourself from the rest of the world Yep, yep, that's the plan because um, when I was sixth in the world, this was in March, I had a look at where you know the top five were ranked and how long they've been doing it and the average is about five to ten years so it's a very very empowering feeling to be able to do that after 11 months 
How empowering to do this with everything you've been through because you've had your own health issues. You're bringing up two kids. Um, everyone always says you must be really good at juggling. Um, oh, it's, just, it's just about balance. And if you want to live your life to the fullest, you have to have a routine. My kids are so independent anyway, and they are the ones who constantly encourage me to go to training. You know, I like sometimes I want to stay home and put them to bed and be a mum, but they're like, no, you go off, you get stronger, and you keep being the strongest lady in the world. So, um, yeah, it's just it just all works out in the end. I just thought they'll be at school saying, my mum's the strongest lady in the world. That's not many kids can say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they told all of their friends. Um, I think they know that I'm strong, but they I haven't really told them, you know, just to the extent of what is actually happened in the past few weeks. <laughs> and and powerlifting, uh, very separate to weightlifting, um, there's squat, there's bench, which you do, there's deadlift. Is there any thought to having a crack at the other two or have you done the other two? Yeah, so um, back oh, between 2019 and 2022, I was kind of on and off with it. And at one point I held the biggest squat record in New Zealand at 255 kg. Um, and that was 13 months after suffering a stroke. I think it's been beaten now. I think she's done about 280 kgs, which is insane. Um, in the future, I think maybe once I've gotten the 400 kgs, but um, I had a really serious incident um, I in March this year, actually. I did a 270 kg deadlift and um, popped a disc out of my back. So I thought, right, bench, bench it is. We'll just stick with bench. <laughs> you mentioned the stroke. That was in 2020, and it wasn't just an insignificant minor one. You had to teach yourself to walk again. You had the droopy face. You had all of that. And looking back over the last three years, did, did this bench pressing, arm wrestling, how much of a rehab was that for your mind? It's so strange because when it initially happened, I didn't really have any thoughts. It was more like, am I going to be okay for my children type of thing? And um, it was the third day after I'd gotten out of the hospital and I'd, I'd hit like rock bottom. You know, I was so sad. I didn't know what I was going to be doing. Where I actually gave myself two options, and it was you can either keep sitting on your butt and feeling sorry for yourself, or you can get up and just try and do anything. And um, because my kids were quite small at that stage, it was it was a huge inspiration to just try and get back to how I was before I had the stroke. And um, yeah, it worked in my favour. We went into lockdown. Um, a week after I had the stroke, and we stayed in it for five weeks, and I came out stronger than I was before I had the stroke. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, Hoyata is uh, a known name to me in Taranaki circles. I know, Jared, you must be related. Oh, no. Is this the rugby player? Yeah. No, so we're, everyone always asks me this. So his name is spelt with an extra letter. I don't think we have any relation at all. <laughs> oh, bugger, because I was going to tell you a few secrets about him that you could get him at the next family reunion, but never mind, we can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> we, can't, we can't do that. Hey, Ashley, it's absolutely incredible. I pinch myself. I'm talking to the strongest woman in the world, and I feel like normally the world record you pretty much tap out. You think, you know, that's that's the world record. And it's 20-odd, 25-odd kilos 
higher than the next woman, but um, I feel like you're just tapping into the potential and it's going to grow and grow and grow. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm just um, just taking it as it is, taking every day as it is, and um, yeah, just going from there. Inspirational, Ashley. I really appreciate you chatting to us today, and I know a few listeners out there will take a lot from this. Um, you, you were chucked some adversity, you were chucked some grief, you've been chucked a couple of kids, and you just go, get out of the way, I'm going to the world record, I'm going to be the strongest in the world, and I, I just find that absolutely brilliant. So we wish you well, and we'll follow your progress. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Fascinating chat with Ashley. I've just been pinching myself during the ad break to think that, like, in the realm of world records, like anything, it's like half a second or two kilos or something. She's put 25 kilos on these people that have been competing for five to ten years, and she's been doing it for three years, and she's just put over 20 kilos on the world record. She's already lifted 20 more kilos in training than that current world record. Um, just imagine, touch wood, stays injury-free, where that world record's going to be next year. It's absolutely phenomenal. And she's a mum, and she's a stroke survivor, and she's a national arm wrestling champion. Jeez, we've got some neat New Zealanders around. Um, so cool to talk to her. If you haven't seen the video, change of subject, uh, St Andrews College in Christchurch at their prize giving last week uh, the music department performed Stairway to Heaven so there was the orchestra, the choir the band all combined and played Stairway to Heaven um, it's a phrase I don't like but it's gone viral around the world and I watched it this morning it is fantastic because arguably well not arguably it is one of the top three rock songs ever by Led Zeppelin. I think it came out in the early 70s. And their lead guitarist was a year 13, uh, year 13 girl student. Nailed it. The lead vocalist, Grace Burnett, nailed it. I'm going to try and track them down and get them on the show. I've given Joey Bell that task. See if we can get the lead singer. It is fantastic. The full video is on the Herald website. Go and have a watch. It's just incredible. I love New Zealanders and everything they do. So good. We're going to talk some rugby, but not as we normally talk rugby, after one o'clock with the head coach of the Turbos. It's all about Bit of rugby chat now. I haven't done much rugby chat on the show for the last few weeks, given that it's nearly Christmas time. But there's something brewing in my, as you all know, my province of Manawatu. Uh, new coach Mike Rogers came in at the start of this year. I feel like he might have found some holes that could be filled, some improvements that could be made, not only just in Manawatu, but maybe uh, nationally as well. So to find out about this new program and this new focus for Manawatu Rugby, Mike Rogers as I say, head coach of the Turbos joins me. Mike, uh, you've got the green light to do something. Uh, could I say it's radical or could I say it's needed? Oh, man, I don't think it's radical. So I don't think you have to look too far. Um, other teams in New Zealand that have done well in other sports are 
probably the best team to have a look at is Penrith Panthers in terms of their pathways program and they've been invested in that for about 10 years now and they've just won three uh, back-to-back uh, NRL titles and and they speak around the importance of the players that play for their first grade team having come through their system and the cohesion that that, you know, that gains for them and that they invest heavily in terms of development of players in their they right through the age grade program into the academy and then and then into the NRL side. So but that's really what we're looking to do is invest in that pathway as opposed to just investing at the top end and um you know, people will tell you that Manawath two produces a hell of a lot of talent and if you walk into um, fielding uh, high school and you know, it's pretty impressive the number of all blacks that that school's created but the reality is all blacks, black fans, all black sevens players, black fans sevens, there's a heap. Um, the reality is most of them don't stay in the region so now I said it's our role to try and retain them and develop them and uh, the Schmidt strategy is going to enable us to do that. So pathways is a word we hear a lot of. You've got to develop pathways for referees, for coaches and for players. What's been what's been missing in, in the pathways of uh, rugby and players provincially? Um, like I think our schools do a great job in terms of developing rugby players and and there's no doubt in one or two we've got schools that do that and we you know, we probably over achieve in that area. Um but we want to probably cast the net a little bit wider in terms of that. So we're talking about our pathways program starting at under 14 level and going through to under 19 slash under 20, which is you know, players that have graduated from high school and come into our academy program. And, and we're talking about things like having holding an under 14 development day and all under 14 year olds in the region are most welcome to come along and, and we'll provide them with some coaching and then we'll start monitoring players through their schoolboy rugby and hopefully have three or four or five interactions with them during the year They're coming into our facilities and working with our coaches. And um, like I kind of, I, I, I think New Zealand maybe does a great job of, of probably fostering that talent. Um, but we want to we see whether we can do something a little bit different and invest at that, at that kind of level as players, both male and female, are coming through our school system, having a real affinity to the Manawatu Union and then, with a bit of luck, retaining them into our program when they leave leave school, um, and yet progress to play for the turbos and cyclones over time. But I guess the key message there is really around how do we develop our talent and support our schools with that, and you know, really make people want to stay because historically a whole lot of talent has left the Manawatu region when they left high school, and um, some of those players have gone on to great things. But we just love to see them playing in a green and white jersey. So. It's fostering the relationship more than what it is with the schools at the moment. And, and I say that because I, I learned not long ago, I, I had an Irish correspondent about their setup of schools and club. And basically all the schools over there are, are aligned to Connaught or Leinster or Munster. And so they're part of that program while they're still at school and then they go into an academy. Because in New Zealand, the, the, perceived, uh, the perception I've had is there is a drop-off from school, you, you leave school and you might not necessarily go and play club unless you see a path to be a professional rugby player. Is that the sort of gap you're trying to fill a void? Yeah, there's a, I certainly don't want to say that we're going to step on the school's toes because I think they're doing a really good job. Mm. And we're just going to offer some more opportunities for players to get development. So we've done a really good job this year in terms of our under-18 camps. A whole bunch of those players went through and played you know, Hurricanes, A-teams and New Zealand schools and barbarians and stuff like that. So 
just being able to add something in addition to the school programs, build relationships with those players, their parents, further strengthen our relationship with the schools, which is really good. That not taking anything away from them, we want them to continue to you know, prosper and aspire to win national titles. And the feeling just got put at the post on the weekend in the Condor Sevens and. Kami boys were top four this year for first 15, which is awesome. Money could have um, won both the, the, the Bills 15s and 7s. So there's no doubt that there's some great stuff happening in the region. We just want to add another layer to that and you know, really look at it through a lens of how do we provide development opportunities for players? How do we retain them in our region? How do we strengthen our club rugby with an influx of players that are leaving school every year or even players that are coming into the region to join our academy because we're doing a good job? So. I think that's where the investment needs to go as opposed to let's go and recruit team players to face of the turbos and ultimately they don't hang around for very long and um, it's not very sustainable. So um, no, we're not doing anything probably too differently to say you mean like what Canterbury and things of what they do. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about it. It'll be, a, it'll be awesome for our community. What, what do you see in the other MPC provinces and unions that you can glean some ideas off or say that that's sort of the pinnacle or that's sort of the road we want to go down and be like that. Are, are there any examples in New Zealand at the moment? Um, there's probably two that stand out. One is Canterbury with the academy system and the Lincoln Academy and the scholarships that are associated with that. They have a huge amount of talent coming to their region as school leaders. You know, and that really enables them to build a really successful academy program. Those players graduate to become EPC and super rugby players. You know, the best one between kind of rises to the top. So I, I do like the fact that they invest heavily in that area. Um, but they do, they do it on a real big scale. Like we're not talking about that, that type of scale, but still with the same objective of, you know, giving, giving players opportunities to progress through the system pretty quickly. Mm. Um, and then I think about the creativity of Taranaki in terms of what Barnsley's been able to achieve there and probably just building on with some people before him around. They have a real sense of identity, so they know how they want to play the game, they know the types of players that they want to enter the academy system, the players that are coming through their school systems are all, um, I guess, learning the Taranaki way, which if you have a look at how they attack, it's a lot different to their teams and the rest of the, and the, rest of the NPC and um, I'll take my hat off to them because they've built something really special there and you don't have to look at a NPC final with 10,000 people there and to know that they're actually doing some pretty awesome stuff and um, that's not that we want to copy other people but I think we've got a huge amount of opportunities for growth it's just a couple of things that we really want to I guess layer into into what we're about So this, um, again, I have perspectives from outside, not from being on the inside. A lot of the focus in NPC, with the fan base and the sponsors, they want to win NPC titles, they want to win Ramfurly Shields, and and almost by default a lot of the funding gets pushed into high performance, into the top teams, into the rep teams. Are you sort of turning that on its head a little bit and saying, we're going to play a medium to long-term game here and build our base and the fruits of that labour won't be next year, um, but maybe in the years to follow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the reality is it'll probably most likely be the next coach of the two those and the one after that will benefit from this. And like I can see us having a, a fully homegrown or very close to it two those side, and 
you know, three or four years' time with, you know, 15 to 20 super rugby players in the team. Like we've got the talent coming through the system to enable us to achieve that, provided that we can retain them. Um, but in order for that to happen, we need to invest in the retention of those players, the development of those players, and that's what we're talking about here, as opposed to, oh, we're happy for, you know, a good example is young Logan Wallace, tight prop from Palmerston North Boys um, College, who's... He's now in the Hurricanes on an NBC a year young. Looks really likely that he'll make New Zealand 20s in, in 2024. And, but we've had, to, we've had to invest significantly to keep him in the region, but that's an investment worth, worth making. And for every one of them, there's you know, three or four more that we've got coming through the system that are, are looking really good as well. And we just want, I guess we want to retain the best, best players that are coming through and, and play the long game and knowing that. And, you know, he's, he's potentially 10 years off being as, as best as a as a professional rugby player um, but if we invest now we'll keep him in the region which is the, which is the most important thing and then ultimately they have some success later on down the track but people are just going to have to be patient What's what's the biggest hurdle or the biggest obstacle to keep these talented players in the region? Do, do they leave the region because the rugby infrastructure hasn't been there, do they leave it for work opportunities or university? What, what's been the biggest uh, stumbling block to keeping them in the Manawatu region? Um, look, I think I honestly think the biggest issue is credibility. And so, you know, when we've had periods of time when the, you know, the two bros haven't been winning games, we haven't been having players come through our system and you know make the Hurricanes or another Super Rugby team. It's really easy for another union to to demonstrate that they are doing those things. Mm. And so and we've had some success in recent times with players you know, coming through our system and, and we've got more super rugby players this year than we've had um, in a long time. So we're starting to see the you know the, we're starting to see the fruits of that labour if you like. So we're starting to build some credibility. But I think with this shift in investment, having more people coaching players coming through the system investing more in terms of the retention of those players, building relationships with their families earlier, helping our schools where we can in terms of their programs, like all that stuff goes about building some credibility and I guess the the key thing is it's easy to talk about this stuff and it's much more difficult to do it, so the challenge for us now is to deliver and I'm confident that we've got the people that can do that. Have you got inside the minds of the 16, 17, 18 year olds and asked them what they want from a province? Yeah, we have, and, and I guess the Fami Mafia Academy manager has done an awesome job of that in recent times in terms of the players that we've retained, and we've also been able to recruit a couple of others from outside the region to come into our academy and fill some gaps, and you know, there's some high-quality players as well. And um, mate, the, the thing about Manawatu is people are passionate about Manawatu, as you know, mm. and we've got to give them something to believe in, though, and we can't just rely on the fact that they you know, want to represent their home province and not give them a whole lot else. So, yeah, yeah. But again, like I say, like by doing this, we're we're just getting hopefully getting some credibility in the community. And what what people really want is they want Manawatu to win games for sure. But they want players that they've known that have come through the school system that they've been watching since they're young. Then go through our academy, come into the Turbos, go on to play for you know the Hurricanes or another Super Rugby team, and hopefully become All Blacks. And people want to feel like they're part of that. I think the players do as well. I think it's um, it's a really good, positive story, and they want to 
it's pretty cool. I like we're I think thirteen or fourteen players make their two boys debut this year, and about ten of those boys were local, and their families were there when they made their debut, and it's just such an awesome occasion. And we want to be celebrating stuff like that. And I see club rugby in Palmy's gonna. Is it one or two? I know Linton's coming back into uh, senior A club rugby. Um, you must be confident enough, or the union must have been confident enough. The player depth is there to expand. What had been a dwindling club rugby scene in Manawatu? Yeah, I guess it's uh, the benefit of the strategy is that we're we're going to be populating club rugby from the bottom rather than from the top. You know, so we're we we we're talking about fifteen to twenty male rugby players coming into our academy program in 2024. All those players will be distributed amongst our clubs. A lot of those boys are local. Some of them are from outside the region. As, as far away as you know, a couple of boys from Baratini, a couple from Wanganui, stuff like that. Um, in addition to that, because we're, we're talking around our investment in terms of our pathways program and increasing our coaching resource. We've had a, a number of players that are indicated that they want to come to the region to play club rugby to give it a go to try and make the turbos as well so all that stuff really helps you know if we think about if we're injecting 25 players a year into the club system and then perhaps at the other end you know five five or six turbos players are graduating to play super rugby or off to play in the MLR or whatever it's a net gain of 20 players still and if we can do that for you know five years year after year then the club rugby will be strong again I think that is part of our, our remit, I guess, is to really ensure that our club game's healthy. And um, I know across the entire country, not too many people would be saying that it is. So hopefully this goes a, you know, a decent way to try to, I guess, turn that around. Not many provincial unions are flush with cash, Mike. Uh, it sounds semi-expensive. Um, was it hard to get it across the line about some... Uh, financial investment at the bottom end or at the at the growth bottom of the pyramid to reap benefits later on or was everyone pretty much on board? Um, the board's been really supportive and so I, I first pitched this to them in early September around this is where I think our investment needs to be and um, as Turbo's coach I've had to put my money where my mouth is as well so we've redirected $50,000 of our player spend into player retention which is significant, so that's effectively two NPC players that we're saying we're we're happy to have a you know a smaller squad in order to uh, make this happen, and then over and above that, the unions come with investment around employing more people to get out there and deliver a, a world class pathways program. And you know, I take my hat off them because you know, times are tough. Most provincial unions are making a, a fiscal loss every year. And it's pretty difficult to see anything other than survival. So um, we're really fortunate that our board's got the foresight to actually look ahead and say, hey, where do we want to be in five years' time? How are we going to get there? How can we invest now to enable us to get there? And I think when you consider the benefits for our rugby community and the long game that we want to play here, commercial partners will jump on board. It's just going to take a little bit of time for them to had to gain some trust that hey, what we're doing is actually going to work and um, it's something that they want to support. So uh, we'll certainly be beating the drum around what we're up to and, and hopefully some of our um, commercial partners will see some value as well and, and that's kind of where it needs to go, right, is if we can get support from our community around what the strategy is around our Pathways program, um, now we can 
further increase in this month, we further increase in this month, further increases the health of the club game, our academy becomes stronger, we retain more players, more players graduate to play in the turbos, the turbos improve, the cyclones improve, um, our performance teams win more games, and I guess uh, even though I'm the turbos coach, the strategy is for both men's and, men's and women's games, so we've got significant investment into the women's and girls' rugby spaces, and um, that's the same thing. We want to be a, a hub for talent, and we've already got the top girls' school in New Zealand, and they're sort of producing a whole lot of talent, and um, if we can you know, come to the party on our side of it as well, I'm, I'm really um, energised, I guess is the right word, to see you know, where the cyclones can go in the next couple of years and produce more super rugby players and made it um, all really positive stuff. It is. I love the focus on the community game because uh, if you give to the community, they'll give back. Um, and it might take a little bit of time, but it's pretty exciting times. And I love that the comparison with the Penrith Panthers. If Manawatu are anything like the Penrith Panthers in five or six years, Mike Rogers, I'll be ringing you and uh, giving you a Panther roar. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, absolutely. But um, don't go hanging your head on that. We're just trying to copy a little bit of what they do. <laughs> No, I won't. I know, that's lofty heights, that's lofty heights. I love that there's uh, a union, and it is my union, that are prepared to make a change, prepared to make a difference, prepared, I don't even see it as a risk, but invest in an area that instead of putting Band-Aids on a province, uh, you've taken a long run up at it, and and, um, can't wait, mate. We will stay in touch to see how it's developing, to see how it's forming, um, because I can only see good things coming out the other end of it. Yeah, thanks, Stefan. Again, mate, really appreciate your support. Uh, you're a top man or two men, and um, yeah, let's, um, let's give us a nudge and see where we get to. Always good to catch up uh, with the provinces, and I quite like the innovation that um, they're going to start looking at the, what was it, 14-year-olds and up in the Manawatu Rugby region. And as I mentioned, it's great to see a couple more club teams being added to Senior A Rugby in Manawatu there. Linton, after a long time away, uh, back in the fold from next year, so more players getting exposed to uh, top-level club rugby there, and um, yeah, it's it's it's. I like the long-term view, the long-range view that they are taking because so often it's like oh, we'll spend a bunch of cash and we'll bring full good players in and try and win the competition next year, and that's good for next year. But then twelve months comes around and you've spent all that money and you might have made the semis or the final or even won but you haven't looked after the future. And so I quite like the long-term view that they are taking there. And we will stay across it about uh, just to see what's happening down there. I like that they're getting the um, the age groups, the, the younger age groups, they're going to get them in four or five times a year, uh, get them some, some coaching and some assistance to sit alongside the schoolboys and the age group players. And uh, Lafimi Muffy, as he said, is doing such a good job down there with the academy and the high-performance unit and getting these guys ready to take that next step. And you do develop a bit of a, a connection, don't you, with um, where you've been developed. Rather than at the moment you go to school and then you might get approached by one of the big unions and say, we'll pay university fees, come down, play in the academy, and they go. Whereas if you develop that connection while they're at school, while they're at age group, when they're 14, 15, 16, there'll be that allegiance with them. And 
rather than people continually passing through. Some will go, and it happens in every union, but I, I quite like the development of the relationship with the youngsters and getting access um, <clears throat> to, to the strength and conditioning they need for their age, the nutrition and the, and the skill sets, uh, which will prepare them for their next step in rugby, which, <clears throat> excuse me, I think is fantastic. I think it's just fantastic. Uh, just got a text now, Staffy. Great interview with Mike Rogers. Go the turbos. Die from Manawatu. Good on you, die. Um, a few texts that I just want to get through that have come in since the start of the show, Staffy. I text into Smithy the other day mentioning Susie, Susie Bates' form, but I wasn't calling for a dropping. Uh, the point of the message uh, to rebut you on form. I was mentioning was Woman's Big Bash. She just played averaging 14 and 13 innings. She didn't have a good Big Bash at all, and she wouldn't hide from that. I don't hide from that as well, but I don't know if you heard the start of the commentary yesterday with uh, Warren Lees, and, of course, he coached her. Um, Just such a valuable member in that environment. Um, And that old saying, what is it? Former temporary classes permit. She'll she'll return. She'll come back. She's 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 very very good. Um, and you know I just hope it hope it happens. Hope it happens. Text from Brendan. Sorry, Steph. Just another academy in Manawatu. More focus on clubs. It's just about the top players. Brendan, where are you listening? It's not about the top players. They're actually taking money from the salary to the turbos to put into the younger ones. And Mike's bringing in players and he'll be distributing them to the clubs to improve the club's stocks, make it less hard for them to um, recruit themselves. And then that'll generate interest, that'll get keep players in the game. And there's a real focus on age group and club rugby so that they can have a full squad of Manawatu born, bred, played players in the future. It's not going to be a quick fix. Quick fixes don't work. Quick fixes aren't financially sustainable. And that's why they've taken a longer view. Um, go to the Bay of Plenty Steamers staff. Mike Rogers, former assistant coach at the Steamers, wasn't he? <laughs> good rugby town. Good good rugby province, Bay of Plenty as well. Uh Staff, some of the white ferns are still in bash mode. Need to build a platform first, I reckon. Top four need to play straight against Pakistan. Marshy, yes. I was thinking the same, Marshy, watching us bat. with um, They've got some good seam bowlers, Pakistan. They don't give you much. And we were playing cross-bat shots, weren't we, and cut shots and instead of playing in the V, like Amy Satterthwaite used to do. Staffy, I think Origin, this must be rugby league, is finding itself in a position where it either has to drop tier two nations like Tonga and Samoa, um, so you can't pick players from Tonga or Samoa, or introduce tier one nations. I wonder how much pressure Madge has put on the NRL, Jamie. It'll be interesting to see, because there is talk around um, qualification for NRL, uh, sorry, for state of origin. The fact that New Zealanders can't play but Tongan and Samoan can, and Tonga and Samoa are classified Tier 2, but their performance is Tier 1. I think there'll be changes, and I'm not sure what it'll be. Me personally, I think it should be state of origin, should be people born in a state. 
What's the age at the moment? Is it 12? I don't know. I don't know it fully enough to have a strong opinion, but I do find it interesting that some inter, some some players that play for other international teams can play state of origin, but other players from other international teams can't. It's kind of weird. Let's find out from Joe what's happening in the world of sport if his laptop's fired up again. Headlines. I know you want them. I know you want them. I know you want them. Time for Joe's headline. The laptop is back and so am I, Staffy. Uh, Manchester United banned journalists from four media outlets from Eric Ten Hag's press conference this morning after United claimed they had not been given right of reply to negative stories around the club. Journalists from Sky, ESPN, Manchester Evening News and The Mirror were excluded after reporting some players were unhappy with Ten Hag's managerial style. Wow, that's some big players. I know, I know, I know. And uh, Sheffield United became the first Premier League club to fire their manager this season, with Paul Heckenbottom losing his job overnight as the team sits bottom of the table after 14 games of their first campaign back in England's top division. The club's Saudi owner took the unusual step of announcing the departure of Heckenbottom on a radio station telling Talk Sport in Britain that Chris Wilder, the manager when the Blades were last in the league three years ago, had been brought back for a second spell in charge. So it's unknown whether uh, Heckenbottom knew before it was announced on air. Wow. There's thoughts that he didn't, so that's quite interesting. Wow. And uh, featherweight champion Amanda Serrano has relinquished her WBC title after the organisation refused to sanction her 12 three-minute round title fight in October, which was the first of its kind for female boxers. Women's championship fights are typically scheduled for no more than 10 rounds, with each round lasting two minutes. But... uh, Women don't want that anymore. They want to have a more exciting kind of fight, make it more of a spectacle. So they want to go for longer and the rounds be longer and for them to be more rounds. And uh, every boxing organisation other than the WBC is on board. Wow. Yeah, which is strange. It's unusual you get agreement across all boxing organisations. I know. And actually, I didn't know this, but you know the WBC is based in Mexico? I have no idea when, where all the organisations are based. It's an absolute mess. I always, I grew up thinking that eventually it'd be fixed, that some of these boxing organisations would like merge, but it's never going to happen, is it? It's the weirdest like concept ever in a sport. You don't oh, see it anywhere else. Yeah, and you get intercontinental belts and under all the different guises. It's, it is quite amazing. Um, for, yeah, that's so WBO, WBC, IVF, and the other one, WBC. Uh, they all just run to the beat of their own drums, and they all have their big promoters and their big um, the big camps in each one. Um, unification is massive, but it's so hard to to get, so hard to get. Good stuff, Joey. Um, let's find out what's happening with the Baileys property. <laughs> Right, quite often I have to look on the map because there's lots of, because this is um, Bailey's Rural, right? Uh, And I have to look on the map and think, where's this little segment? Not this one. This one is at 173 Okoia Springs Road, Matamata. Um, 25 hectares, country estate, it'll capture your heart. As you travel down, 
a tree-lined driveway. Close your eyes. Picture this. Tree-lined driveway. Prepare to be impressed. Standing pride of place is an amazing-looking five-bedroom solid masonry villa that exhibits timeless design and impeccable style. I'll get to the photo soon. I haven't even looked. I've looked at photo number one. Majestic. Brought to market by Sam and Margaret Troughton. They are operating out of Bailey's Maramara. Uh, the formal and informal living space all seamlessly flow to the large tiled patios for alfresco dining. It's got all the words. Where daily life is enhanced by unobstructed grandstand views across the Matamata Golf Course. Now you know where we're talking. And surrounding countryside to the stunning backdrop of the Kaimais. Family and guests are well catered for. There's four bedrooms, two bathrooms on the ground floor, and the upper level offers a private sanctuary for its new owners. It's got the master bedroom, it's got the ensuite, it's got the walk-in wardrobe, it's got a separate study, access by the stairs, or the internal lift. You could play elevator music in your home. Who hasn't wanted to do that? Oh... As well as internally accessed double garaging, there is the bonus of a large five-bay high stud shed offering ample storage to house all your toys. Workshop space for weekend projects. The land is predominantly flat, bit of undulation, uh, and it enjoys fertile and free-draining soils. It is well-fenced and subdivided into 25 paddocks. Currently on there, they are grazing beef cattle, and the property offers a strong lifestyle component with, as I mentioned, the Maramata Golf Course on the boundary. Golf enthusiasts, have a little bow peep. The sale of this premium property provides an ideal opportunity to entice a retiring farmer away from a larger land holding, perfect for equine, B&B opportunity, or you just want to escape city living. It's minutes from Maramata, centrally located with an easy commute to Cambridge, Hamilton, Tauranga, Mount Monganui, Papamoa, Makatu, buy yourself a pie. Discover the art of country living. The dream starts here. The property number is 2400657. So you go to Bailey's, B-A-Y-L-E-Y-S, doco.nz, property number 2400657. To the photos. There's 27 of them. Big question, have they got the drone out? First up, it is the homestead. Magnificent. Oh, when they say tree line drive, at the start of the tree, tree line drive, there's two big concrete pillars in the metal gate. Looks like it's an automatic opening and closing gate. <sighs> Lifestyle. View of the Kaimais is magnificent. Slight aerial photo of the homestead. It is massive. Um, low maintenance by the locks. Big garage. Inside we go. Fireplace around the lounge which is sort of like a little bit of a conversation pit area. There's another little bit off to the side. Fantastic kitchen. Oh, can I say that again? Fantastic kitchen. Double ovens. Great kitchen. Um, scrolling through. Dining room. Indoor, outdoor flow. Is that a swimming pool? I see. Is that a swimming pool? I see. I'm not sure. I need to get outside. Uh, bedrooms all with opening doors, all with amazing views. Ensuite looks amazing. Master bedroom has a deck at the upper level couple of chairs out there happy days this is magnificent I'm up to photo 20 of 27 now they've taken a few photos at sunset there's roses there lots of sheds and there's the aerial view with the red boundary surrounding the 25 paddocks this looks magic if it's in your budget go and have a little bow peep it's fantastic 
And photo 27 is another aerial shot. Right, oh, it shows you the proximity of the golf course. You are right next door. I can see the bunkers and the trees. You could walk to the clubhouse every day. Margaret Troughton, Sam Troughton, Matter Matter, they specialise in farms, lifestyle and country sales. This is Lifestyle with a capital L. Go and have a look. Baileys.co.nz, property number 2400657, because it matter matters. What's making news will be after this break. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world. Oh, what's making news time. Staffy, I've got a really good what's making news for you, I think. I said that last time about a week ago and it was terrible, wasn't it? But this one, this one I think is good. Um, You've even unplugged your laptop and holding it up. Exactly, so I can get nice and close to the words. I think, well, actually, that's because I'm going blind because I look at my phone too much in bed. (laughs) Anyways, let's get to it. Um, A learner driver who failed their driving theory test 59 times before (laughs) passing has been praised for their amazing commitment. Uh, They spent about 60 hours and get this, nearly... 1,400 pounds, so that's about $2,800, before finally making the grade at a centre in Redditch, Worcester. They must, uh, the student must correctly answer 43 out of 50 multiple choice questions before they can book a pre- practical test. The pass rate for the theory test has fallen from 65% in 2007 to 44% in 2023. Wow. So it's a very tough test. More than half of people fail it. They obviously don't study hard enough. I guess not, yeah, yeah. But it's £23 per test, so they're not cheap. Um, But yeah, data from the DVA showed other learners also took dozens of tries, including someone who passed on their 58th go, uh, 56th go and 54th go. So a lot of people try and try and try. I mean, if it takes you over 50 goes, I don't think you should be allowed to. Like, you should be banned. Well, I'd almost say 10. yeah. Like, and they're being praised. Like, the head of the DVA said good on them for keeping trying. I bet they're happy because they got paid a lot of money because they paid £1,400 to get it. Yeah, I praise them for their stickability, but I don't want to share the road with them. Absolutely not. They're banned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, actually, I'll quickly also say, my I'm a terrible driver, right? Like, I've crashed a few times, and my yeah. insurance is insane. Like, hopefully it goes down as I get older, but I've kind of ruined myself for the rest of my life. Uh, anyways, I... In other news, a Washington man who thought it would be kind of narcissistic to vote for himself in a local election in America ended up losing the election by one vote. Damien Green ran for Rainier City Council in America, but he said he didn't cast a ballot in last month's election, uh, and the machine count had the incumbent Green losing to Ryan Roth by single votes. Roth said that he almost very nearly didn't vote for himself in the race, but then his wife urged him to vote for himself, and that was the winning vote. Green said he wishes Roth well in his new position and is planning to run again in the future. How devastating is that? I, I mean, see, I wouldn't want to vote for myself as well because you always think, right, like one vote never does it. But I guess in a very small town probably like this mm. for city council, mm. 
It would ruin your life, wouldn't it? I know what you're saying. Yeah. And um, a Florida newspaper, Steffi, has, um, f- is inviting readers to submit their grievances for the year and will print the funniest complaints in celebration of Festivus, a fictional holiday from the, uh, from the sitcom Seinfeld. So Festivus was created by uh, Frank Costanza, who played... George Costanza's dad, uh, Jerry Stiller played the, uh, Ben Stiller's father actually played Frank Costanza. Uh, I've got a clip here explaining what Festivus is. Many Christmases ago, I went to buy a doll for my son. <laughs> I reached for the last one they had, but so did another man. As I rained blows upon him, I realized there had to be another way. What happened to the doll? It was destroyed. But out of that, a new holiday was born. A Festivus for the rest of us. That must have been some kind of doll. And at the Festivus dinner, you gather your family around and tell them all the ways they have disappointed you over the past year. And is there a tree? No, instead there's a pole. Requires no decoration. I find tinsel distracting. Frank, this new holiday of yours is scratching me right where I itch. Let's do it then. All right. Festivus is back. I'll get the pole out of the crawl space. So basically, it's a holiday where you complain about uh, your family members. Isn't that a great holiday? Uh, The Tampa Bay Times have uh, said that anyone around the world who wishes to voice their complaints on any subject, please send them an email and they might publish it. Um, And yeah, that's all from What's Making News. Actually, I forgot to get a fax, Safi, for you. So what we're going to do, we're going to ask Louis. Louis, put your headphones on. Oh, here we go. No, nope, wrong headphones, Louis. I haven't told him. I've, I've set up Louis. I'm not very good at uh, teaching people. There's another pair of headphones right in front of you, I think. Yes, those should be them. I'm going to ask Louis a question about himself. That'll be the fact of the day, okay? Excellent. Louis? Yeah, yep. That's the mic. Hi, Louis. How you going, man? I'm great, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. Tell us one interesting fact about yourself. <laughs> I can solve the Rubik's Cube in under a minute. Oh, that is oh! interesting. That is interesting. Is that the only one? That's why you said it so quickly? Uh, that was the first that came to my mind. No, that is like a party trick, though. That's what you'd say. That so is a party if, trick, yeah. If someone came up to you and said, like, what's one interesting... If, if a girl said, tell me one interesting thing about you or I'm leaving, and he said, I fix a, I do a Rupert's Cure under a minute. So, Louis, How's she it? would so be leaving after that. So, yeah, Louis, true, yeah. we're, we're not... If I was to sit here and watch you do the Rupert's Cube in under a minute, I'd go, wow. When you see the people that can do it in under 10 seconds, do you go, well? I go, they're nerds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Second to them, Ruben. What's the yeah. key? What's the key to it? It took a lot of patience and a lot of YouTube. So is there is there is there a system? There is a there is a system. There's a uh, there's a formula, in fact. Wow. But it could start off with a million different patterns. Yeah, there's like over like a trillion different combinations. That's Louis, New Zealand. That's his first introduction on here. Uh, he can do the Rubik's Cube in 100 minutes. Now I'm fascinated. Uh, last break before the news. Days away. How stressful putting on such an event like this. Uh, g'day, how you going? Um, yeah, it's not too bad, actually. I've been doing it for a while, so the stress levels seem to be less and less every year. But um, no, no, everything's going really well here at the moment. Tell me the difference between all the events you have here because there's Ironman Taupo, there's Taupo Ironman, there's 70.3s, there's full distances. Tell us where this one sits in all of that makeup. Yep, so this one, so normally we would have our um, 
our full and half uh, 70.3 in, in March, so they'll run on the same day. Um, and then we have the one in December, the 70.3 Topor, which um, unfortunately we haven't run this event since 2019 um, because of COVID cancellations and stuff like that. So really excited to um, do this uh, 70.3, which is like a standalone. So it's only the, the half distance that we'll be racing on the weekend. Okay, so how far afield do the competitors come? Um, we've got a few from overseas, not many, um, but um, the, the Aussies always seem to like coming over to this race as well. So we've got a few Aussies coming over. Um, it's, it's probably in the global calendar, it's, it's probably the last um, 70.3 event for the year. Um, so, so, and it's got obviously a lot of qualifying slots for the Worlds next year. So it's quite popular um, and people do, do like to get one under their belt before Christmas, I guess. Is the circuit the same each year, or do you change it a little bit, or do you stick with tried and true? Um, pretty much tried and true, where, where we kind of worked out that we've got a couple of good um, areas where you know, we can swim and bike and run in good places. And um, with this event on the weekend, we've changed things a little bit with the with the swim course and where it starts, and then we've, we've it's normally a one course um, lap out to Riparo and back. So we've We've changed that to make it a two-lapper. Um, it goes out as far as White Road on Baldwin's Road. Um, just to, to make it a little bit different to the, the event in March, um, and it gives the opportunity for athletes to come back into town to start their second lap so they can get encouraged by their, their supporters and um, the Taupo community. The supporters really do get out too, don't they? I've had friends that have had um, family members compete, and um, then the next year their family member didn't compete, but they go back because it's such a good vibe. Yeah, yeah, we've like this. We're coming up to 26 years of having um, Ironman events or half Ironman events in, in Taupo, and right from that get go, um, people were enthusiastic about it, and we never have a problem finding volunteers and supporters. Um, the whole community gets behind this event, which is which is really good. Um, yeah, we, we're really thankful to those ones, especially the ones that are on the road closures, the residents there. Um, we really appreciate your guys' understanding, um, and hope we don't disturb your day too much. I was going to say, the community aspect, um, I mean, it brings so much in the focal point into into your region, and you do do it so well, but there'll be people that will not get their nose out of joint, but their life will be interrupted. Tell me about the importance of something like this, and as you say, 26 years have been doing this, the importance of an event like this coming back year on year. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good for the triathlon community to have a, an event that's um, annual, obviously, and it's it's a great place to come to to do your event. Um, it's good for the town. Um, obviously, we've got people coming in from all, all over the place, so they're spending a few dollars here, which is always good for the town. Um, and you, like I said, the, the total community just get behind this event, um, like they do any other event that, that happens here. Um, yeah, so we're just really, really happy that we do have that sort of support. Is the lake really cold at the moment? Um, it's not too bad actually. It's, uh, we've had quite a bit of warm weather lately. Uh, we've had a bit of rain overnight, which causes the cools the lake down a little bit. But we're, 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 it's acceptable, I'd say that at the moment. Um, we're looking at temperatures of anywhere between sixteen and eighteen degrees at the moment. Okay, so the wetsuits will be out though, won't they? Uh, no, yeah, well, yes, definitely. Well, um, I highly recommend that you wear a wetsuit. Um, <laughs> Obviously, Lake Topol is a little bit cold and it's fresh water. Um, and if you want to 
be able to do a good swim time and, and be safe out in that water, um, highly recommend that you still wear a wetsuit. Who are the, the favourites on paper? I know the, you do get the odd surprise in any event, uh, whether it's triathlon or cycling or anything, the, the odd one can bob up. Um, have you got regular returnees that you expect to see the early arrivers? Yeah, we've got a really good, really strong men's field, um, mainly local, um, Braden Curry, Mike Phillips, Jake Moody and Kyle Smith, um, just to name a few. And um, Javier Gomez is going to be making an appearance for the wow. first time as well because he actually lives um, some of the some of the year in, in Taronga, I believe. I never knew that. He's like one of the yeah. absolute legends. Yeah, he he's just not long done an event in Europe somewhere which he, where he won. So he's still got a he's still got fire in his legs. I've got a text message in from our, he's our unofficial triathlon correspondent. Um, he says a couple of questions for Wayne Reese Saturday and the Worlds. Are Braden and Kyle still to punch their tickets? And is Brownie going to race next year as an age grouper? Do you know all of that? <laughs> <laughs> I think Braden and most of those guys I've mentioned, I think may already have a qualifying slot for the World Champs, which kind of opens up. Um, for the for the other younger guys coming through to get a slot to the Worlds um, as a pro athlete. Um, Brownie, no. Um, I, I wouldn't like to say that, um, that he's not going to turn up as an age grouper, which I'm sure he will. Um, as we know, he done his last pro event here um, at the beginning of the year. Um, but I don't think he'll be able to keep away. So we'd, <laughs> we'd really, really like it for him to come back, even if it was an age grouper. He, he's, um, he's a cool guy and he's done a lot for this event it's just iconic people like him are so important for 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 their sports oh definitely yeah yeah you know he's a 12 time Ironman New Zealand winner so um he's, he's royalty when, when it comes to um the triathlon um family so yeah so I'm hoping he'll come back um and show us what he's still got so the world's topal next year is that the first time the world's have been held there Yep, yep, it's the first time. Um, obviously, this is the third time lucky. We were supposed to have it in 2020, then 22. Um, with COVID sort of stuffed that up as well. Like it does a lot of, had a lot of things over the last few years. Um, so finally, we've got, got this thing coming back next year. December the 14th and 15th next year. Um, so really looking forward to it, um, getting this thing done this time around, yeah. How different logistically to set up a World Championships do you think it'll be? Um, it's just going to be so different. It's going to be so busy. Um, the, the town's going to get smashed, um, to be honest. Um, there's a lot of people coming. Uh, there's a lot of work to go into where all these people are going to stay, um, how they're going to travel from from you know, um, Auckland down here and stuff like that. So there's a lot of logistics going on in the background even now, um, just making sure that all these athletes that are qualifying around the world um, have a really great experience when they come to Taupo or, or even New Zealand. Yeah, and the world, uh, the world will be watching too with the cameras, won't they? It's it's a really good chance for our tourism industry to get behind you guys. Oh yeah, it's going to be great for New Zealand tourism um, and Taupo region in, in, in particular. Um, I was just down at the the lake edge this morning. Um, the lake was dead flat. Um, you can see the bottom. You know, it's just crystal clear at the moment. It's really in really good condition. Um, so you know, 
One of the best in the world, I reckon. Does does the water quality change? Because you you do hear occasionally that there will be a triathlon um, might have to get postponed because of water quality. Is is just the flushing nature of a lake? You never have any issues with water quality. Um, not normally here. We we did one year, but um, where we had to cancel the swim, and that was an algae that and it had a lot to do with the fact that the water temperature had got up to nearly twenty six degrees, which oh. is quite unheard of here. Um, so the water was just a little bit warm, which um, these things seem to like. Uh, but with the water temperature at the moment, um, like I said, the lake's in good good condition. It's crystal clear. Um, I don't see any problems um, on Saturday for us to be doing anything like that. All right. So if people want to come along and, um, well, if they've got friends in it or family in it, they'll know when it is. But it's just such a good experience for just latent uh, spectators. What time does it get underway? And where's, where's some good vantage points? So um, we'll, we'll start with the pro men at 6.15, uh, first thing in the morning, um, and then the pro woman up uh, three minutes after that, and then we've got the age group workers will start rolling out not long after them. Um, anywhere along the lake, front, uh, lake terrace, um, because it's elevated, um, you're, it's the perfect place to watch the swim, the bike, and the run. So you don't have to go too far um, <clears throat> to find a really good advantage. And there's plenty of room for everybody. Uh, it's a really cool cafes and restaurants around the area so when your your guys or girls are out on their bike um, there's plenty of places to go and have a coffee um, but yeah it's just a per- it's a perfect um, perfect place to have a, a triathlon. Did the, did the new roading the big bypasses that go around the outside of Taupo did that affect when that came into vogue and when it was being made did that affect your course? Um, no because that, that road goes over the top of of our course, so it didn't really affect it at all. Um, but it does give us an advantage of when we do close roads in, the, in a city, um, that we have the the option of using that as a, a detour um, up and around the, the new road. Awesome. Well, I, I, along with you, I want to thank all the residents um, for, for allowing this to go on for the benefit of all of us and all of the competitors, but it's such a wonderful, iconic town, um, just intrinsically linked with uh, triathlon and Ironman. Uh, I really appreciate your time today, Wayne. I wish you a wonderful event. All good, mate. I'm happy to be talking to you and and the people out there. Um, Same to you. Have a great weekend. Cheers, buddy. Wayne Reard in there. So gets underway at 6.15, and then by the sounds of things, about five-minute intervals for the the men, then the elite woman, and then the age groupers. Um, Be fantastic, actually. It'd be absolutely fantastic to get down there and have a look at it. Um, it's, It's such a perfectly... Um, geographically laid out town, city. Is it a city or is it a town? I'll go city town uh, for triathlon and Ironman. Beautiful vantage points. And as he says, the, the cafes, the restaurants, lots of accommodation. Um, and I'd imagine in the world's next year, they may, maybe some people would have to stay a little bit out of town, maybe Rotorua or fan bases, but that's only, I think that's under an hour now, isn't it? Rotorua to Taupo. Uh, fantastic though, and I'll keep an eye on that this weekend to see if we can maybe snag a couple of the winners or um, well-performed athletes out of this weekend's Ironman and see if we can get them on the show. Maybe uh, Brett from Huntley's going to come in the top three and get on the podium and we can get him on the show and tell us how he did it. Are you in it, Brett? Are you in it? <laughs> All right, let's take a break. On the other side, it's the final night tonight, I think, of this. Um, I'm trying to think of the 
name. It's not Fast Five. It's Fast Something. It's the Made for TV, Made for Entertainment Bowls competitions coming to an end. It's been going for a few weeks now. We'll join Alex Reid from Bowls New Zealand and find out where they're at. Time for some bowls. Uh, one of the highest participant sports in New Zealand. If you haven't had a go, you've got to have a go. And at the moment, uh, the Twilight Bowls League has been going on, but it's coming to the end. So we're joined by Alex Reid, who's been commentating this league. Um, Alex, for our listeners, what's the big difference between the Twilight Bowls League and maybe the bowls we see at the likes of the Commonwealth Games and the World Champs on the grass and in the whites and all of that? What's the difference? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, thanks for having me on. So the um, the Twilight Bowls League is essentially a reflection of what you would see when you generally play lawn bowls in New Zealand. So if you tootle along to um, a, a gala tournament or go along to most of our clubs who just run events, that's what the Twilight Bowls League is a reflection of. We've got um, fathers playing with sons, mothers playing with daughters, uh, veterans who've been playing for 30 or 40 years, new people, para bowlers, etc. So it's a, we tried to make a reflection of what the sport looks like at the grassroots level. So how were the teams selected? How did they qualify to become a team? So we, um, we didn't have much of a lead-in uh, to it. We had the idea of running this Twilight Bowls League and then we had like <laughs> uh, not that long to get it sorted. So we sat down and went through um, our players and tried to think of some good pairings. So we reached out to a lot of people actually and uh, for a lot of reasons some were unable to participate because it was a short run-in. Uh, but we essentially uh, put the pairs together from what we've seen over the last couple of seasons uh, and asked if they'd be interested in participating and uh, luckily we were able to get yeah, the eight the eight pairs that we've had for the last six weeks. So it's been the same eight pairs for six weeks. Yeah, it is. So uh, the they all play six uh, nights each. So it's sort of a mix and match. Every night is a different one. And we took our cue a little bit from I don't know if you uh, follow the darts, but the Premier League darts every night is a different event, and they have a winner every night. So that's what we've done with the Twilight Bowls League. You don't have to tune in for twelve nights to see an overall winner. We have a winner every night, so a slightly different event every night that we run it. Oh, I see. So is there is there an overall winner, or it's just they're all run individually? They run individually. We've kept track of it, so the winners will be um, uh, the two young mothers we've had on, Kirsten Edwards and uh, Amy McElroy. Uh, they can't be caught on the, uh, the number of wins that they've had, so they'll top our table, which we'll release upon the completion of it. But it's essentially a, a winner every night, yeah. Now, McElroy's a familiar name for bowls. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's uh, Shannon's better half, Amy McElroy. Shannon stayed home and uh, helped look after the kids, and we had Amy play with Kirsten Edwards, and Edwards is another familiar name. She's related to Joe Edwards, who's our best ever um, female bowler. Yes, yeah, she sure is. So who are they? Are they representing their clubs? What? Who are they representing? Yeah, pretty much the clubs. Um, uh, definitely the regions, but, yeah, most of them are members of the clubs. So we've got, like, Morris Symes and Briar Atkinson, who are from... Uh, Taranaki and Morris is sort of uh, Briar's coach so he's been playing bowls for 57 years and Briar's been playing for five. <laughs> uh, we've got um, Dave Clark and Logan Clark, father and son, they're out of the Manuraba Cozy Club. Um, Adam Bailey and Lee Warburton out of the Auckland Bowling Club. Uh, Terry Blackbourne who just won a pair of bowls gold medal. Uh, skipping the pairs on the Gold Coast is uh, playing with their mum Jenny Stockford, they're out of Claudelands. Uh, Millie and Chad Nathan, they're siblings, they play out of Birkenhead um, Peter Shane and Rob Ashton play out of Carlton Cornwall. The Edwardses play out of Stoke. And then we've got uh, Theo Tarua, 
and Taiki Paiani, who are the um, Cook Islanders, they play at a bridge park. So, yeah, clubs to answer your question. So I'd imagine this isn't a cheap um, exercise to, to, to put on with travel and accommodation and broadcast rights and all of that sort of stuff. What's what's the reason for um, the New Zealand Bowls set up to put on something like this? Is it to showcase it? It is to give some youngsters some experience? What's the, the reason you do it? Yeah, we want, it, we want people to see um, bowls being played. Uh, we've been very fortunate um, uh, that it's been broadcast live on Sky Sport 1 and 2 uh, for 12 nights, and we've had a lot of replay uh, replays as well, which is brilliant. So we just want people to to look at the sport, tune into Twilight Pulse just for one night and think, gee, that looks like something that I'd like to have a go at, and then pop down to their, their local bowling club. We don't mind if you don't play the full uh, competition and dress up in your whites and take days and months and weeks out of your life uh, to play. We just want people to sort of tune up to our bowls clubs, have a look, have a go, play corporate events, play business house, play whatever. Uh, we just want people to know that we exist. And people probably need to realise, and I, only, I learned this a few years ago, we had our our Christmas do at the Sea Toon mm. Bowling Club, and they said, as long as you wear flat shoes, we'll even let you have bare feet and come and have a go. I absolutely loved it. And bowling yes. clubs, I think almost universally around the country, are happy for someone to put their head in and say, hey, my first time here, can I have a go? Absolutely. There's um, 465 bowling clubs off the top of my head. So there's, <laughs> we've got a few of them, and uh, we've been in the process. The last 10 years, bowling clubs have been taking their fences down. We used to have these really high, sort of closed-in <laughs> bowling clubs like Secret Societies. Yes. We've tried, well, we're moving on from that, right? So uh, absolutely, you pop your head in, say hello. Uh, the 465 bowling clubs, all happy just to have people turn up, have a go, and who knows, you might like it. What's membership done recently uh, across the country? Yeah, we've seen good stuff. It's, um, it's stabilised, so we have uh, 30 or 40,000 uh, competitive bowlers, but well into the six figures participation-wise, and it's in that Twilight Bowls space with uh, business house events that a club might run for uh, six weeks leading into Christmas and six weeks after. Uh, we count those as bowls participation, so um, it's uh, we're in a pretty good space at the moment. Yeah, so, and it's not too expensive. What does a set of bowls set you back, or will the club let me use theirs? Have they got some for me? Yeah, the clubs all, most clubs have bowls that they will lend out. So if you're talking um, business house, you don't need to buy yourself a set of bowls. You can lend them, uh, borrow them from the club. Even if you play competitively, most clubs will say, look, for your first year or two, until you've settled in, you can borrow a set of bowls from the club. Uh, a second-hand set of bowls, probably three or $400. And then if you want to get real fancy and uh, put your own logo on it and change the colours up, you're looking at six, seven, eight hundred dollars. <laughs> Are they a bit like golf clubs, and you get all sorts of different different um, characteristics yeah. in a bowl? Yeah, very much so. You can get bowls that turn a lot, and then you can get bowls that uh, run straight. And what we've seen in the last four or five years is not only do you get bowls that do different things, but we have bowls that look quite different now. So you can get a set of bowls that has literally six different colours on one bowl, <laughs> just to look sort of uh, a bit strange as it goes up the green. So we've seen um, we've seen a lot of change in that. Bowls, all bowls are is plastic, if you're wondering. So it's like a plastic powder, and they pour it into, um, what do you call it, a mould, and it's pushed under pressure. So technically a bowl can look like anything, and that's what we've seen in the last few years, which is quite nice on the greens. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome, mate. So is it the last night of competition tonight? Yes, it is, yeah. We're holding it at the um, the Royal Oak Bowls Club, which is in Onihanga. So if any of your listeners are in the Auckland area, there is a bar 
and food available from about half past five. The bowl starts at 6.30. Free entry. We'd love to some people, see some people come along. Sounds a good idea. Alex, really appreciate your time today. Go well. Great stuff. Thank you. There he is, Alex Reed, out of, um, well, he's been looking after the Twilight Bowls, and I actually loved it. Um, Nisbo, Grant Nisbet, he was the vice vice president, I think, of the Seatoon Bowling Club. So when I was at TAB, the whole sports betting team <clears throat> went to his bowling club. We had a little barbecue and a couple of um, liquid refreshments and a few ends of bowls. And I found it really good, like, it doesn't take long to get better. I wouldn't say to get good. I wasn't good. But once you get your range and your rhythm and you just want to keep going. So if you've never had a crack at it, um, bowling clubs around the country are very welcoming. Uh, open the door. Go and have a go. Uh, join in a business house league. Um, I've been to um, – what was it? I went to an engagement party at the – uh, Mount Vic Bowling Club, I think, in Wellington. Is it the Mount Vic Bowling Club up there on the hill? Amazing views across Wellington and across the harbour. It's fun times. And I tell you what, their beer and food is cheap. That's probably the cheapest beers and food in the country. And very proud club members. So I'm sure the bowlers out there will know. You'd, you'd love to see some new new blood. Uh, young blood, old blood, any blood. Get in and have a little crack at the bowls. Sports headlines. Headlines. I know you want them. I know you want them. I know you want them, but you're a good boy. Time for Joe's headlines. Do you realize we've only got two more shows left together, Safi? After today? Uh, Sam back Monday? Yeah. I thought he was back Wednesday. Oh. Well, I'm not on Monday, though. I'm off. Oh, I'd just be me and Louie. Yeah, how good. <laughs> well, One day's training. Great news for you, Steffi. And great news for league fans. Uh, starting with Penrith star and NZ Kiwis captain James Fisher-Harris has become the first prop to win the International Rugby League Golden Boot Award. The men's award was chosen by a panel of NRL greats, including Kiwis Adam Blair and Ruben Wiki, as well as Darren Lockyer, James Graham and Adrian Morley. And meanwhile, Kiwi Ferns co-captain Georgia Hale took out the women's award, also becoming the first forward to win that one. In fact, I think we won both last year, Joey Manu and Racine McGregor. We did, yes, yes, we did. So New Zealand, New Zealand. We've been dominating, yeah. Happy yeah. days. And uh, a defensive mix-up cost the football ferns as they finished 2023 with a 1-0 defeat to Colombia. The defeat left them with just two wins from 16 matches this year, alongside three draws and 11 losses. And Olympic sports federations have asked the International Olympic Committee to allow Russian and Belarusian athletes to compete as neutrals at next summer's Paris Games. Russia and Belarus were sanctioned, but not banned by the IOC after Russians invasion of Ukraine in February 2022. In March, it recommended individual athletes compete as neutrals, but has not yet made a decision about Paris. Those are headlines, Daffy. Great headlines, Joey. Just on the Golden Boot, just where you were talking that second story, I just I wanted to have a look at the list of Golden Boot winners. Um, James Fisher-Harris, he's there. Joey Manu, um, and then two years of none because of no international Rugby league because of COVID, of course. And before that, Roger Tuivasa-Sheck. So New Zealand have won it the last three times in the men's. 
and then going backwards are Tommy Mackinson, who's an English player, Cam Smith, the legend, Cooper Cronk, Jonathan Thurston, it's a who's who, Sean Johnson, 2014, Jonathan Thurston again, Kevin Sinfield, Jonathan Thurston again, wow, um, Benji Marshall in 2010, Greg Inglis, Billy Slater, Cam Smith again, Darren Lockyer, the Count, Anthony Minicello, Andy Farrell, the Irish coach, Irish rugby coach. He was the Golden Boot winner in 2004. Uh, Darren Lockyer, Stacey Jones in 2002. Andrew Johns, Brad Fittler, Andrew Johns, Gary Schofield, Mel Meninga, Ellery Hanley, Hugh McGahn, Peter Sterling, Gary Jack, Brett Kenny, and Wally Lewis was the inaugural in 1984. <clears throat> and uh, in the women's side, Georgia Hale this year, Racy McGregor last year. Uh, and the only other two, because they instituted the Golden Boot for Women in 2018, that was Isabel Kelly from Aussie and Jess Sergis from Aussie. So that is fantastic. And Jeremy Borson won the wheelchair rugby league Golden Boot uh, this year. He's from France. So great news. And James Fisher-Harris, what an under, he got better as the season went on. He had every right to get more tired as the season went on, but he didn't. <coughs> And breaking news, Joey, they've just put up a bouncy castle in the cafe. I thought it was going to be a little marquee or something for a Christmas do. There's Christmas trees and decorations going up and a huge bouncy castle right there. Oh, and do you see that? There's a chair for Santa. There's a Santa chair next to the Christmas tree. <laughs> Where? Like, uh, it's, I think it's out of your sight. I, I don't think... Can you see the Christmas tree? No. Okay, well, it's next to the Christmas tree. It's by the elevator. There's a very fancy elevator where um, we work a glass elevator. It's like, it reminds me of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It's not just a chair, it's like a throne. Yeah, it's a throne, yeah. Santa's throne, so there must be a Christmas party on here tonight. Do you reckon it's the head of Saatchi and Saatchi's coming in? No, who would have their Christmas party here? I don't know, it's very cool. Do you think we'll get invites? Do you think... uh, I think if we were going to get invites, we would have got it by now. Yeah, right. They, well, they don't know we exist, obviously. Like, but there's about, I think there's about 15 companies in this building. Yeah, there's yeah. There's us in New Zealand Rugby, there's Circo, there's that furniture place, and there's another furniture computer type place. I don't know what's upstairs. There's a Pilates studio upstairs. Did you know that? No, no for what? There's a Pilates studio upstairs <laughs> in the building. Really? Yeah, like on the third floor. <laughs> what? Have you have you ever seen anyone like, walk up in their Pilates gear, though? Yes. Have you? All the mats and stuff? Yes. That's so weird. I've not. Oh, noticed they don't that. take mats, but you can see them in their Pilates gear uh, because you don't have mats for Pilates. You get get on the reformers. On the what's a reformer? It's a Pilates piece of equipment. Yeah, you're right. thinking yoga. I was just about to say, what's the difference between yoga and Pilates? Oh, Joe, we need a whole voice break for that. Sorry, no. Louis, say something. Louis, what do you say? Pilates is more intense with a more sweating involved, I believe. Yeah, good stuff, Louis. Has he, he just fallen yeah. over? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, Pilates and yoga are about as different as pre-cooked sausages and gourmet sausages. Oh, wait, so what, what would be the pre-cooked sausage? Yoga. Really? Yoga's the pre-cooked sausage? Well, no, it's, no, actually, no, that's wrong. Sorry, sorry, yogites out there. Um, oh, actually, yeah. just just before we go, because we've got to take a break shortly. Sure. Um when I, ca- I come into the studio at about 5 to 12 mm. and have a chat to Smithy. Mm-hmm. So when the ads are on, Brian said in my headphones, get your favourite sausage flavour ready. 
So I'm wondering if in the morning show they talked about sausages this morning. Huh. I'm wondering. Do you think Do you think Smithy likes a pre-cooked sausage? No. I don't know. I feel like he would, sweetly. I've got a sausage update, actually. A sausage update because I bought those four. Oh, yeah, yeah. Four different flavours. So over the weekend I had the spicy buffalo and blue cheese one. Mm. Spicy buffalo chicken and blue cheese. Really, really good. And then just... Just to benchmark them, I said to the guy at Westmere Butchery, do you think I should just get straight beef or straight pork? And he said, pork all day. Straight pork. That's what sausages are about. Straight. So I just got the straight pork. The other three types I'd got, I'd had them all. I was left with the porks on Sunday night. Cooked them up for a plain pork sausages. Unreal. Unreal. Juicy, flavoursome. Oh, they were good. I'm, I'm going to get all my sausages from proper butchers from now on. And I remember one of our great listeners, he, he curried me up a pack of their um, gourmet sausages. People, support our local butchers and do yourself a favour. Well, see, we're not having a proper Christmas dinner this Christmas. It'll just be me, my mum and my dad. So my mum, I was talking to my mum last night. She says, what do you want? What do you want? And I say, we should just go to the butchers and get proper meat, like get proper steak. Yeah. And proper, you've inspired me. You've made me grow up, Steph. Get the little rump steaks, the, yeah. the end of the flank or end of the shank or end of the hank or whatever, the, the little one that's right. the same shape as the sirloin, and get some beauty sausages. Like if you go to West, any of the butchers, yeah, um, they had about 30 different flavours. Oh. They even had a venison and blueberry sausage. Oh. Sounds weird, yeah. but I bet you it's amazing because they test them and test them and test them until I've got the recipes right. That's yeah. what he told me because he tested the buffalo and blue cheese one for three weeks before he got it right. Then they started selling them. That was incredible. And you always get a quality at butchers. You know, they're not like bakeries. Some of those bakeries, they mess around with different pies and they're just not, they're not on it. But butchers, you can trust. You can trust your butcher. And if they do a good job and they give you good stuff, like me, yeah. you'll go back. Exactly. Supermarkets you have to go to because everything's there. Mm. And you go, oh, the meat's there. Sorry, countdown and pack and save. All my meat purchases are going to be from butchers from now on. I feel like, no, I agree. Butchers are amazing. I feel like bakers, bakeries have really gone downhill recently. Do you? Well, I just feel like the pies are more expensive than ever. Like you can call, you can charge $7, $8 for, I mean, not to... Just call out the person around the corner, but there's a place near nearby in Pineal, and he sells like just your big Ben pies for five dollars fifty. It's ridiculous. And, a, and then and then his premium pies are seven dollars fifty, and they're like not that premium. Like, I mean, it's ridiculous. I I feel like quality's gone down, quantity's uh, price has gone up massively. Like we're talking three four dollars up. Mm. I went to the award winning most awarded pie shop, uh, which is in Bethlehem Tauranga. Um, and I can't believe the name has escaped me. It's the person's name like Joey's Pies or something like that, and they've won so many awards, and you go to their pie warmers, like quadrupled the number of pie warmers you normally see in a bakery, and that's what they've got, and they've got the flavour, and then they've got the year they won the award for each flavour. Incredible. Yeah, look, there are some incredible, incredible bakeries here in New Zealand. There's a really good one in Ellerslie, too. And, and yes, I, but I just... I think look, it's classic Auckland, isn't it? Nothing's good central. Like it's all, and I, like, I it's, it's always in like the outer suburbs or the outer towns. You you think in the city you're going to get primo pies? No, 
You're getting a, you're getting big bean. <laughs> you're getting big bean for five dollars fifty. I mean, I think I feel like pies used to be like four dollars. The big pen pies that you could buy for a dollar fifty or two dollars from the local dairy. Mm. What are we doing, Staffy? What is this country? I know. We should set up studio in Ellerslie or Remmers or something. Uh, Joey, straight upstairs after your shift today. Sign up for Pilates classes. Go, Joey. Get in there, son. Maybe you should go for it. They'll give you a free class to try and inspire you to join. Maybe that's an experiment, Joey, and you can report back how the Pilates was. Mm, well, not to go on a tangent, but actually last night I was uh, stretching with my um, girlfriend's flatmates because one of her flatmates has been super weird. I mean, okay, this is a bit mean, but I, I found it weird. Okay, I, they didn't. They thought I was weird by because I found it weird, but we were talking to him, right? And he just out of nowhere sits on the ground and starts doing like pelvic thrusts like up into the <laughs> air and stuff. And then like, he does like downward doggy style, like... <laughs> Like humping the floor. It's not uh, no, it's called downward dog. It's called downward dog. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> double eight, double three. <laughs> sports headline song is terrible. Just saying. Craig, we stopped playing that sporting headline song and we played a different one. And the outrage from the listeners, they wanted the old one back. Now we've got a dilemma. We'll find out what happened back in the day after this. Here's what happened back in the day. Uh, December 6th, isn't it? Let me try and test my memory. I think on this day in 1984, uh, Martina Navratilova lost to Helena Sokova in the semi-finals of the Aussie Open in Melbourne, which ended the longest winning streak on the women's circuit. She'd won 74 consecutive matches in an undefeated period, lasting 10 months. Incredible. 1987 on this day, San Francisco, 49ers quarterback Joey Montana, who Joey Bell's named after, he completed his final five passes the previous week against Cleveland Browns, connected with his first 17 passes against the Packers to set a record of 22 consecutive completions. That's why the Niners are great. 1992, San Francisco, 49ers wide receiver Jerry Rice caught a record 101st touchdown in a 27-3 win over the Miami Dolphins. Any other San Francisco Giants? Up the Niners! 1992, the San Francisco Giants signed two-time league MVP Barry Bonds to a six-year, $43 million deal, making Bonds, at the time, the highest-paid baseball player in history. $7 million a year for six years. Birthdays today, KK Rosberg, 75 former Formula One driver. Uh, Sarah Rafferty, American actress, never heard of it, 51. Happy birthday, Sarah. I hope it's a beaut. Uh, Andrew Flintoff, 45 years old today, English cricketer. Aussie footballer, Tim Cahill, turns 44. Alberto Contador, the mountain goat. Spanish cyclist. Could ride a bike. Uh, he turns 41. Coco Vanderway turns 32, the American tennis player. And Gianna Santitacompo, 29 years old today. The top movie in 2001 was Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Never watched it, but I do know what the number one song was by Mary J. Bly. Start to lose your mind.
Family Affair Tune Tune I've got a couple of text messages here From the same number And it says Marty Where's Earl Curtin Darcy Dugan Maddie Blackburn And Two Wiley From Mike Next one Marty What a great get Fantastic interview With who seems to be A damn fine rooster From Mike I think Mike's texting Marty Devlin (laughs) Oh right <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's texting, mate. and he's done it quite a few times. So there you go. Um, couple of quick texts. Uh, I'll volunteer my services next year as the official afternoons with Staffy correspondent for the 70.3 Worlds. I'm not racing on Saturday. I didn't manage to get that one signed off with the Households Minister of Finance. Some quick pro tips on the start line. So trying to get the permission slip signed to sneak down for a peak. Top man, Brett. Top man, Brett. Um. Oh, Scotty Logan. You'll remember we had uh, Rebecca on, who was taking part in the Queenstown Marathon. And Scotty Logan is just a rooster. Um, great personal trainer. We put the two of them in touch. He's, he's He said he'd sort out a program because of everything that she's been through. And she started on her gym program this week after the interview I had with her before the Queenstown Marathon. Top man, Scotty Logan. Top man. Uh, sorry, Staff. As a lawn bowler, oh, have I got time here? Yeah. As a lawn bowler, this Twilight League is a waste of money. It costs 110k to run this event, and yet our international bowlers playing for their country get paid $25 a day and have to take a lot of time off work. I did ask him about the costing and what was behind it. My flatmate has been feeling very lonely, so I told her to start a small business so she could have a little company. <laughs> Guess who? That's Ryan. That's Ryan. Never moan about New Zealand pies. A recent trip to Australia, I bought a potato top pea and mince pie, thinking they can't staff that up, stuff that up. I paid $7.50. Three bites in, and in the bin it went. More full me. Thought I'd try a sausage roll. Surely they can't stuff that up. Paid four fifty for a small one. Yep. Yuck. Into the same bin. No more pies in Australia. Cheers. Bones from Wainui Mata. Fantastic. And Brendan just said he watched the Led Zeppelin video of St Andrews. I said earlier, it's on the Herald website, it's on the St Andrews of Christchurch Facebook page. They did Led Zeppelin at their prize giving. It's a great watch. And Brendan now agrees. Brendan now agrees. Last break.